Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. And with me today are guests. Yes, that's right. Guests today are two talented gentlemen. They are the hosts of A Fire Inside Out, a podcast where they explore and analyze every AFI album the band has ever released. Additionally, in many ways, these two gentlemen are far more qualified to host this show than I am because they've essentially already been there, done that. Bought a t-shirt. I, I don't know if they bought a t-shirt. But, but that's right. With me here today, I add to the Twilight Zone podcast posse guest list, the hosts of the Twilight Highlight Zone, Mr. Ben Hansen and Jeff Cork. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Hello. it's us. Thanks for having us, Brandon. Oh, my God. No, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with the peons like me. Please, we're always happy to talk about Twilight Zone. Although, preface in the very beginning of this podcast, we have not talked about Twilight Zone for years and years, <laughs> even amongst each other as friends. Uh, it, the last episode of our podcast aired a long time ago. But to tip our hands, if there is one episode of the Twilight Zone that we are super stoked to talk about, <laughs> it is this one. It's my favorite episode of them all. You would never stop talking about it. I won't stop talking. All, we have uh, so many in-jokes about like these great quotable lines from it. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So uh, I don't want to tip, tip your hand. Yeah, what are we Brandon? talking about today, What Brandon? episode oh, is today? Oh, my God. Let me tell you guys. Let me, let me tell you what we've got. We've got a most unusual camera. Yes. How come? Yes. Uh, yes. It's it's got a little it's got a little button on the side. It's just it's just so unusual. It's very unusual. So you chose us to cover this episode, which I'm excited about because there's something really fun. Not not Twilight Zone in in its entirety, but there's something fun about diving into mediocrity, forgettable <laughs> mediocrity. <laughs> and so when you pulled this random one out of the hat for us to cover on this episode of your podcast, we said. Yes, please. <laughs> no pressure to make it good. Yep. Well, we I can sell. We like this episode a lot. I, I'm I'm <laughs> so I'm so glad that my random pick of the hat worked out for you guys because <laughs> you know it's when you when you think about it like some of like the classic episodes, you mm-hmm. you you're, you're almost kind of uh, forced to talk about it with a, an air of seriousness a little bit, and yeah. and then when, when the the mediocre ones, as you say, like there's so much it's more free flowing and. Uh, it's like when being on somebody else's podcast, you don't have to, you don't care about, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you don't have to edit it, so. Uh, yeah, and, and Wikipedia entry is very small, so you didn't have to <laughs> memorize very many facts at all, uh-huh. which it actually was a blessing and a curse, so we actually had to watch the episode then, because we couldn't just skim that entry or, like, a synopsis on IMDb. There hasn't been a lot of scholarly discussion about this episode, so hopefully we could blow mm-hmm. the lid off of it really see what makes it tick the most in-depth discussion of this episode ever is that covering the fact that it's season two episode 10 yes <laughs> so get used to that it's episode number 46 if you want to really get into it oh look at him yeah, yeah. Uh, boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh very technical of you very technical uh well I, I i do have some extra extra facts for you guys if you if oh. you want to hear them I would love to hear some extra facts. What do we got? All right. So it it's called usual camera. <laughs> there it is. That That's the only right. one. <laughs> so let's pretend that when I talk over you, it's because there's a Skype delay <laughs> and not because I'm rude and I'm not good at picking up like social cues. So we'll just blame it on technology and not my, my just uh, idiocy and rudeness. So well, Brandon, take it away. There's, there's, no, your facts. There, there's no video here. So you can't, you can't see me like scowling and be like, <laughs> 
we, <laughs> I guess you can hear me make that sound, but yeah, no scowl. It's a pretty good scowl. <laughs> uh, this episode originally aired December 16th of 1960. It stars Gene mm. Carson as Paula Dietrich, Fred mm. Clark as Chester, not Cheetah, mm. Adam Williams mm. as Woodward, who this is his mm. second episode of The Twilight Zone, actually. He was in The Hitchhiker as the creepy, rapey Navy dude. Oh, that's right. AKA Sailor. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Uh, generally, yes, they are. They go hand in hand, uh, or or penis in hand. I don't know. It whatever Jesus whatever rapey. Christ, <laughs> we're trying to have a good time talking about cameras, Brandon. Well, there's cameras involved there somewhere. Okay, so Marcel Hilaire as the hilarious French waiter or hotel attendant, whichever you want. And this is his first of two episodes. He was in the new exhibit, uh, directed by. The anvil of comedic relief, <laughs> the French waiter. The uh, uh, proprietaire. Who was he in the new exhibit? Um, I, I'm not. I, it's been a long time since I've watched the new exhibit, so maybe you can tell me. You you watch it probably sooner than I have. Yeah, three years ago. <laughs> yeah, by asking, I was setting myself up uh-huh. to answer my own question. I don't know. Who I'm sure he's one of the spooky stages. Probably Blackbeard or whatnot. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, probably Vincent Price. It's a wax museum thing. Okay. Anyways, uh, directed by John Rich, who one of two, he directed similarly a kind of stopwatch, a most unusual camera, a kind of stopwatch. He has a thing about everyday objects. Something about some spooky crap. I think was also <laughs> him. <laughs> some kind of ladder. <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> t- teleplay by Rod Serling. The, ah. the late, the great. Uh, the scr- Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So, so let me let me let me throw the synopsis down. I'm gonna try. Right. I'm gonna try to get through it as quickly as I can. I'm not gonna try to belabor it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take extra time. I'm not gonna. I sit. took extensive notes so we can really get into it because there's a lot to talk about. If you want to, but this is your show. You tell us how to do this. So, hey, man. You, you guys are my Bam. guests. So you, oh, if you want to tell the synopsis, by all means, I would love to hear what your your, your thoughts are. Well, if you, I don't want the listeners to think like this show has gotten hijacked by the worst kind of jackasses, which <laughs> are loud jerks. So anyway, you do your synopsis, and then we will we'll have the discussion after, okay? Because I don't want to, yeah. Okay, I can do that. Okay, synopsis. Chester and Paula Dietrich, two small-time crooks, they uh, break into an antique shop and steal a bunch of cheap, inexpensive crap. However, they also manage to pick up an old-timey-looking camera, uh, those two people find that the camera has the ability to take take pictures. First of all, second of all, it shows <laughs> shows things five minutes into the future. Uh, so a couple minutes later, they or a little bit later, their brother, her brother, shows up. He escaped from prison or some crap like that, and they decide to use the camera in a most appropriate way through gambling and horse races to guess or. Uh, see which horses will win. All right, so they make a bunch of money. They make it back to the hotel. Uh, Chester and the husband, or or sorry, Woodward and the husband, they get into a fight. They knock each other out of the window. And then this the wonderful French waiter comes in. He tries to steal all the money. He notices on the picture, hey, there are, there are more than two bodies outside this hotel window. Of course, the wife is like, oh, let me look. And in trips on a lamp cord looks like and then he goes up to the window this french waiter he looks down at the the picture and says 
more than one, more than two bodies. One, two, three, four. And then he falls out the window and he dies. So, what does it sound like, Mark? Oh, I forget. <laughs> it is very abrupt. Like, it seemed like this is not making any sense why they are falling through this window. you got to put a sound effect in here to sell it. Yeah, do it off camera. Just any old sound effect will do. If someone could kick this horse in the ribs and record what comes out, that would work. Just the sound of cranberry sauce coming out of a can. Just anything. Just anything. Literally any sound will help with this, this shot. <laughs> squawk, squawk. Yeah. Or, uh, Here's or, your, or, or about your format, Brandon, if we may hijack it even further. Do it. Is you do what I wanted to do, and it was every episode of the damn Twilight Highlights uh-huh. Zone arguing about format and structure for this thing. And you did the correct thing of explaining the quick plot early, yeah. and then we can have a freeform discussion. Because Cork wanted to go beat by beat, and yep. it was a constant nightmare. Yep, so here we go. Now we're gonna, now that he's done the quick synopsis, I'm going to go beat by beat and turn this into a constant nightmare. Because I took extensive notes here, guys, so I feel like I, there has to be some kind of payoff. So, But hang on, Brandon's w- walking us through. What's the next step here? No, that, that, the next step is, what are your thoughts? Okay. Let's do it, beat by beat. I- Beat by beat. Okay, here's the first thing. The when credits. We do opening <laughs> Twilight Zone intro. It does the transition from the star field. Here it fades into <laughs> the newspaper article da, 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 da. where they're reading about the heist in which they both participated. Right. I very diligently did a frame-by-frame analysis of this newspaper <laughs> so that it would sound like I paid attention to this. And, uh-huh. sir, here are some of the other headlines in this day's issue of the newspaper it's a, the one of the headlines is jury system denounced barrister declares trial by judge best method another one is mayor seeks budget boost asks council for extra thirty thousand dollars for playground another is uh convicts unguarded on kansas island and then just right underneath that antique shop burglarized <laughs> and she's reading it and it just seems like it almost seems like this newspaper was not carefully constructed for whatever kind of universe they're building, but mm-hmm. it was just a way for them. And then she's reading the story, and it's very—it's a very corny story, in my opinion, well, compared now, to the other hard right for newspapers. So, what, what's corny about this? Well, I think that the way the, the layout—it just is like literally just a big rectangle in the middle of a paper. Like, <laughs> I think the prop department kind of slacked off here, is what I'm trying to say here. Uh huh. But she's reading the the like the account of the the heist and he's like poo-pooing the whole thing right and she's saying like that there's like a cataloging of all the things that have been stolen and this uh this Chester guy is a real jackass. Uh-huh. It's very sarcastic. Their whole marriage doesn't seem like it's super great. He's a jackass and she sounds like if the Leia bounty hunter in Return of the Jedi was a little <laughs> bit more legible like understandable in English. It's just a mm-hmm. little bit of a talk. Like she this. sounds like what Bugs Bunny thinks Bugs Bunny sounds like when he's dressed like a lady right. and trying to woo Elmer Fudd. Right. Perfect. In his mind's ear. It's like the old lady from the cigarette commercial smoking out of her throat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The catch of a lifetime. <laughs> so quite a sexy lady. We painted <laughs> a picture. So, and then they're talking about like what a big waste of time it was. Cause all this stuff is knockoff and the crook, Chester is basically saying, ah, oh, this guy who runs the curio shop, he's crooked, too. He's, he's lying about the value of this stuff for insurance purposes. And then he goes on to say, this is another one of your things. You want to rob this curio shop. 
He says that they spent two weeks casing this place for this, this burglary of a curio shop. And I'm just trying to construct in my mind. Maybe I, I overthought it because I was like pressure was on to talk and make this discussion about the most unusual camera interesting. Uh, but I was trying to think like, how do you, I would understand if they're like breaking into a military installation and stealing a new plane or a bank, mm-hmm. but they just, camera went, store. Can, they just went to this curio shop after it was closed Jimmy opened the door, as the newspaper article says, and stole a bunch of crap. And he seems like an expert, too. You right. Know, he, he's a real connoisseur when it comes to crap. So yeah, what like, are you doing here? So he's like, yeah, they said they were two Ming vases. Yeah, I don't believe it. And he, like, drops them behind the couch. He's like, why did you bring them with you, then? We just, like, <laughs> grabbing everything, like, as supermarket sweeps? Yeah, this he, is... You know, oh, go ahead. You know, what I, you know what I'd be interested in saying? That he's supposed to be an expert, right? And they've cased the joint. Maybe they should make like a spin-off movie where it's just like a heist movie breaking into this curio shop. I hope it would last two two weeks in real time because <laughs> I think it's I want to spend as much time as possible with right. Chester and uh, Paula. And I hope that the little like ding dong ding dong soundtrack when they realize something's very unusual with this camera plays for the entire two hour span. That's right. Yes, I can never get enough of that. And Chester is my main point of fascination with this episode because he is all over the damn place. Mm-hmm. Just uh, quickly try to lay out where this guy flows. So he starts out being a skeptic yes. of the camera, right? Then he becomes a huge believer. Then he becomes a skeptic again. And then he becomes like this, uh, uh the most generous soul on earth. And then he becomes the greediest man on earth. <laughs> I feel like, Sterling is trying to pack too many archetypes into this one character, unless he's just talking about the, frivolity of humanity it could be yeah there's that weird moment too where the first time that they take the picture and the picture she's standing by the window uh paula and the picture comes out to their surprise because it doesn't seem like there's a slot for the film to come in so it's mm-hmm. like a one-way transaction basically mm-hmm. and he looks at the thing and she's wearing a fur coat and he kind of does a double take and he he tells her shows her the picture and she's like oh that's nice and he has to like stand her up in front of a mirror and then hold the picture next to her to be like, you know, is anything different? You're not wearing a fur coat. And she's like, I've never even owned a fur coat. <laughs> like, this is right. this is the core problem with this episode is everything takes so long and the viewer, maybe it's just 2016 minds, rapid mm-hmm. fire, Twitter, baby. Oh, yeah. But we're like eight steps ahead of these characters at all times. And it's really exemplified by her not understanding or noticing that it's weird that she's wearing a full fur coat. And I've never owned a fur coat. And then when she effing gets the fur coat, she doesn't say, oh my God, the picture. She, the, the picture came true. No, she just has to put it on and be like, a fur coat? I haven't seen one of these forever. It's like, you saw 45 <laughs> seconds ago on the picture. I did like hit the, the Chester, when he saw the picture though, he, he immediately thought it was some kind of trickery. He thought, oh, these negatives have been doctored with. And it's just doing like one of those wacky things you see at a carnival where it's got your a fat lady with your hole in her face, I think he says. And then you can do that. So I, I like that at least he was somewhat critically thinking about how such a trick would happen rather than like instantly jumping into it being magic. Although he does eventually say that uh, this that it could be the work of was it I wrote this down somewhere. Like, witches or wizards or black magic. Uh, uh-huh. And then she follows up by saying, you know, where's the man that comes in uh, with a bargain for the soul? 
It's basically Rod Serling winking at the camera. Yeah. Stay to the Twilight Zone. Kind of of this crazy crap. He's he's basically acknowledging the beginning of Snapchat filters, right? I mean, that's that's essentially what he's doing. My favorite Snapchat filter is "fat lady at a carnival." Cookie. <laughs> it's real wild stuff. Brandon, did you yeah. like this episode? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I have I have. It's all right, I guess. It's supposed to be a comedy, but it's not. It's never really that funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's two jokes, yeah, right. There, there, two two real jokes. I would count it like one is when he's on the phone, and I kind of like this joke when he's like eleven grand. No, I'm not trying to back out of it. I'm trying to decide if I should buy two. Well, he's buying a car, right? He's buying it for eleven grand. He's going to buy a car. He's making very specifically. It's going to be yellow, black interior. Wire rims and the Continental package. Whoa. He's just ordering it over the phone, Hello. and apparently some guy is going to be putting together this car in a day. Yeah, it's a banjo kazooie nuts and bolts situation. But he wouldn't have called if he wasn't serious. It's true. And then also um, the terrible acting at the end of the lady being begrieved and running over <laughs> to the money, and then realizing, oh, I guess I can make do with this instead of those men. Yes, uh, but. I understand she's going for funny, but at least try and be a somewhat believable actress when you're supposed to be crying over the loss of your husband and brother. Honor among thieves. Yeah. Because Wentworth, the brother says, is his name Wentworth? I wrote it. I don't think Woodward. 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 Oh, embarrassing other W. <laughs> uh, he's like, his whole, <laughs> as he tells it, the reason he broke into jail is because he wanted to spend time with them because he thought they fought so much. And if he was there, they wouldn't. <laughs> that's, that's All love. Right. That's a loving. Yeah, that's- brother you know he cares about his sister you know he wants him to be happy you know, can't can't fault him for that he broke no. out of prison to do it so he's like barney rubble if someone like brought that into like the real world right i think th- i like the brother uh he yeah. has a good stupid face yeah. after, after he auditioned <laughs> for like dozens of classy sophisticated roles you know trying to be uh i don't know who's a good 50s actor What's that one guy? Uh, Shatner. Cary yeah. Grant. Cary Grant. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Trying to go for the Cary Grant role. And they're like, man, we saw a most unusual camera. We <laughs> saw you stick your dumb head into that apartment <laughs> like a velociraptor. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, my biggest problem with this episode is obviously not any of the bad jokes or anything. It's the very, very end when the French guy is looking outside the window and he's like, there's one, two, three what four why is there like why isn't why does he have to tell us why doesn't he just realize there's four bodies the first time he looks at the the, the picture before he's like wait there's four uh, most people can't like instantly tell if there are four objects on a plane like we always have to count out loud that's typically <laughs> how it works for me at least i want to know how many how kids do i have out? one two three it i wish that the window had burped Every time, because then at least you would have thought that there's some kind of devious monster that this hotel is, uh, that it's got a hand in it as well. That'd be the worst while his own twist ending if it just zoomed out at the end and the house was alive the whole time. It, it like closes one of its windows and says, <laughs> hey, it ain't just the camera that's unusual here, fellas. <laughs> Serling has a sophisticated uh, little uh, trailing off message. So another question I had about this one is... Mm-hmm. In the lore of a most unusual camera, I know it does. This is where the French guy he kind of comes in. He's very important in the beginning because the camera has this plaque on the front that, in my um, perfect French, I will do. It says like "D à la propriétaire," mm-hmm. and 
the French guy comes in and he's just like cleaning up plates and he says, Oh, it says, uh, 10 photos per customer, 10 for customer or, or owner. Mm-hmm. And that's when they, they do the calculations and realize they only have a couple camera or photos left and drama ensues. So, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. You're okay. In the lore. <laughs> oh, in the lore. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's 10 for customer. I want to know what defines ownership. Exactly. Is it like if this guy had instead decided the waiter, the waiter restaurant guy, if he decided instead of like just taking the money, if you'd taken the camera also, has it now exchanged hands? So he gets 10 shots or because he was there when the camera was being used he falls under its aura. What constitutes a unit, like a bubble? Like, because the three of them, when they're like fighting over it, right? It's not like every time mm-hmm. it touches somebody else's hands, it resets the monkey's paw. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were very clear, too. Um, Chester was very possessive about the camera and did not want to share it at all with the brother. So I'm wondering, could he have the brother taken it then? And it would have given them and that, you know, a whole new restock of film. Because it seems like Chester and Paula were a package deal. Were they? Because well, they were both taking photos, weren't they? Yeah. You know, you know, there's this, there's this fancy magical camera. They can at least mm-hmm. put like a little little counter on the side. You would think they you would, would have at least that. Think. It didn't even have a viewfinder, so it made it very awkward when Chester was taking pictures and you could see him trying to, the actor trying to size up where this <laughs> thing was aiming. <laughs> Particularly, he's Whoa. kind of holding it. Uh, good enough. He called the button the clicker. Also, which I thought was endearing. What the? Yeah. So who gives it to the curio shop? That's a good. Is it like an estate sale? Like this guy died from a broken heart. He never used one <laughs> shot on my camera. Yeah, it exactly. was too unusual. This clicker. Yeah. And speaking of the lore, uh, I want to understand because when they bring up towards the end of the episode the concept of selling this super unusual camera. Yes. How would you go about when you have, they had two photos left when they mm-hmm. say, maybe we can sell it. That was her angle, right? Yes. They can make the most money, which is a fun mind game. How can you make the most money out of the two, two pictures left? Mm-hmm. You'd have to use one of those pictures to prove it. Right? right. And then you would just sell the concept of one photo. Mm-hmm. How would you do that? Uh, I don't know. And how much would you be willing? You know, to you could probably get witnesses because when they were at the racetrack, they were sitting in the front row in front of God and everybody <laughs> taking pictures of this board. And there's a huge crowd of people behind them. Certainly everyone there saw what was going on. Especially when the guy kept coming back with bushels of money after each race. That was my question uh, is how much money does this horse track have to just be like, ah, these guys are just making so much money. Uh, yeah, they're lucky. Endless, like just, just flipping bills. They can get so many continental cars. There were stacks of $500 bills. I don't know if you noticed that. Like dri- that right? driven by horses. Kind of driven horse. by horses is a horse economy. My horse, God. Horse I want power. to know everything about this camera. <laughs> I promise you don't. If I gave you a 100-page book about this camera. Actually, I think I know where to find a 100-page book about this camera. It's called... What is, <laughs> it's called... Uh, oh, here we go. The most unusual camera book. No, a GD Ghostbuster, Ghostbumps book. Say cheese and die. Oh, say- it's the exact same plot as say cheese and die. You you said this in the episode. You guys actually reviewed this episode. So I just, wait a second. You wanna, listened to that episode? Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. How I many did. things have we repeated so far? Uh, all of it. This is actually, 
I could actually just take your original recording and then transplant it here, and then we'd be good. Am I in 2013 again? <laughs> you have to tell me if that's true, Brandon. Uh, yes. This is a time travel episode. That's amazing. You went back and listened to that one. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah. It, one of the one of the point, one of the points you guys made in that episode. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Okay. Uh, here we go. It's a throwback. Is this this connected universe? This Marvel mm. connected universe of Twilight Zone with them yeah. breaking back into maybe this antique shop is the same one from uh, the genie episode. If you that's right with the it. broken mirror. Oh, that's <laughs> right. We were going to build out our entire thread of how to uh-huh. interconnect every Twilight Zone episode. Then eventually we realized that was too hard and we just kind of lost steam on it. Best laid plans, man. Yeah, really. It would have been good. Did it bring up this point, Brandon? Cause this time 2016, me wrote down a very smart note because mm. <laughs> the brother, when he comes in, he's like, Oh, what do we got here? A picture. And he looked at the picture and he goes, boy, science is wonderful. It's got me wearing my shirt, the whole thing. <laughs> and then later on, the, when uh, Mr. Man, Mr. Chester, trying to make the case of how they can be so generous to humanity with this camera, he's like, oh, we could donate it to science. And then the brother says, science who? <laughs> like, pretends like he's never heard of the concept of science when before the commercial break, he was arguing about the scientific integrity of this picture. You did, you did not make that point last ah! time. I'm smarter now. It's inconsistent characterization. That's right. And also, I love the commercial break stinger of the brother going, how come? <laughs> how come? It's a nothing conclusion. The music swelling. Yeah. You can't end on how come. Uh, yeah. No, you made, that, you made that point, too, about the how come. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, I said like how come, actually. <laughs> like how come. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Like, uh, uh dude, George. Uh, <laughs> characters. No one writes characters like Serling. No. Nope. I feel like the most Serlingy moment in this episode is when the wife says, "What's humanity done for us?" It's the moment to really reflect, reflect on the core of humanity and what it offers criminals. And also, I mean, it's worth asking: Does crime pay you guys? Yeah. Wow. I don't. I liked it when wow. Chester. His mind had been broken by the prospects of this camera, and he's up at night. Mm-hmm. And Paula says, "Come back to bed." And they they sleep in twin beds that are separated by a nightstand. Mm-hmm. So she should have said, "Come back to one of your beds." <laughs> if you come to my bed, I'll have come, to go to yours. Come to a bed. Let's... What if they took a picture of the beds and they were merged together because it represented the future of television? Thanks to I Love Lucy. God, you know what? I didn't know this was going to get so deep, but it just did. It really did. Speaking of deep, deep cut from Rod Serling mentioning in his opening monologue, flotsam and jetsam. Mm. Yeah? Why is that a deep cut? When was the last time you've heard somebody mention that? Well, I think probably in the 60s when that was a very common thing. You don't think that was him reaching, trying to be smart? No, that was like a pretty common thing. Really? Yeah, for I sure. Need to, I need to look this up. Do you yeah, guys know the definition? Yeah, flotsam flotsam and jetsam. Isn't it just kind of like debris? Yeah, it's like debris. Yeah. Really? Where does it come from? It's what like, kind it's of like, words are uh, It's like bread and butter. You know, it's just it's just a saying that people say. Yeah. Useless or discarded objects is the definition. I'll be damned. All right, you guys. I stand corrected. All right. There you go. Smart stuff. You can edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, going back to the, the bed thing, there is a like they go back and forth, Chester and and uh, the wife, where they're like, 
one of them is not believing this cam that this camera can do something, and then mm -hmm. the other person's like, "No, it's it, you know you can't do it." Or what am I talking about? Uh, they're oh, always it's, it's, they're always uh, disagreeing with each other, and then yeah, like, yeah. one other person comes like, "No, don't be so stupid," and then yeah. then they'll change their mind. And then Paula is very helpful. She's kind of like the audience proxy when they're discussing the plan. Here, you know, we're gonna take a picture of the winning board before the race. And then Paula says, and then we'll look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. That's, that is a, an important part of this play <laughs> that we look at the photograph. Uh, then we use the money. See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, here's some more trivia for you. Yeah. Uh, they're in room 412. Mm. In case you're wondering. Oh, we don't need to even discuss what that means. Yeah, I think it's a pretty consistent thread that Twiheads are really going to pick up on. Because if you rearrange those letters, um, you get to episode 124, which is a kind of stopwatch, which is from the same director. Oh, my God. The, he knew it was going to happen. The through line. It's there. It's there all along. As We're coming back to this Marvel connected universe. I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah, that's at least something, right? And I don't know if you guys played, and I probably brought this over on our earlier podcast too, but a most unusual camera is one of the things, like the modes in uh, the Twilight Zone pinball game. Is that the, when you're playing and that popped up in the game? Is that when you realize that pinball is kind of boring and overrated? Uh, yeah, I punched my fist through the glass and took that white ball and ran like the Dickens. <laughs> said, See you later. A most oh. unusual player. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, pinball is kind of boring, uh, which is why... Uh, the in Final Fantasy 15, that little pinball game in there is is kind of boring. I haven't tried it, but I played the standalone iPhone version, and it was no good. <laughs> but you get some good gear out of it, so like force my hand. Yeah. Anyways, pinball quick, sucks. Remember that time that Chester and the brother were circling around each other, <laughs> and he had a knife, and both of them fell out of the window at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Bad was playing in the background. It was really awkward. Exactly. Well, we don't know what kind of gravitational pull there was for that window. Maybe this was like a space station hotel. You never really see outside. Ignore the racetrack. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that's why they're all getting sucked out that window. <laughs> this is a very severe draft. Hang on. Did they did they shatter the window? They no, just... the window was open. And... What kind of Twilight Zone baloney is that? Not even a window shatter? No. Oh, you need that. No, I'm curious. I would like to know if the actors gave up any resistance at all when they were reading this and they're like blocking that scene out. Like, so let me get this straight. <laughs> we're both going to wrestle. We're going to both fall out of window. Like to do that accidentally, we're, it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. We have to like do a little hop. Well, when's the last time <laughs> you accidentally fell out a window? Accidentally? Yeah, that, <laughs> oh, that's boy. a difference. Accidentally. You guys, do you guys ever have that? daydream though i don't know mm. if it's a daydream but just the worry of like well i'm safe but i'm in a situation where i know that if i trip over my shoelace right now i can technically fall over that edge and die do you guys worry about this stuff mm -mm. i worry about it every time i walk on the sidewalk and a bus is going by where i think if i trip on the sidewalk right now and my body falls this way that bus is going to deca decapitate me I, every bus that goes by me i i have kind of the opposite thought where i get to the edge and i say what would happen if I jumped in in the front? Oh, well. And, and what would happen to my family after I'm gone? 
Yeah, well, you know, we like to keep it pretty upbeat on the Twilight Highlight Zone. I don't know how you run your podcast over here, but, you know. So, up- so accidental is fine. Uh, right. Suicidal is not okay. Stop it, Willoughby. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, so speaking of a stop at Willoughby, let's stop this Willoughby and talk about your podcast because you mentioned expanding into the other Twilight Zone podcast. Have you have other have you had other Twilight Zone podcast hosts as guests on your show? I I have. Yes. Yes, sir. What's that like? Uh it's it's interesting. What so I did the first season of the show and I was just doing it on my own as with friends that I could get on to, to be guests. And every once in a while I, I got somebody like from Twitter who runs uh night gallery on, on Twitter. And uh, so I was just checking out iTunes and seeing all these other Twilight Zone podcasts. And there was part of me that was like a little bit competitive with it. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not a competitive person. I, and I don't like feeling that way necessarily. So you had the fever in yeah. a lot of ways. <laughs> Brian Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> uh and so to get to get around that i thought instead of like trying to compete with everybody we're we're all trying to bring uh, attention to the show and, and kind of you know appreciate it instead of competing why don't i bring them all on and, and talk about it in different ways um and so i've had uh tom elliott he runs uh, the twilight zone podcast um i've had matt hurt what's called what's what's that what's his called called it's called the, T- the twilight zone podcast Come on, Tom. Tom, Tom <laughs> Elliott. <laughs> uh, I've had Matt Hurt. He runs a, a podcast called Anthology, and right now he's working through all the Twilight Zones. Um, huh. these, Wait, these, does he do different things then? Uh, eventually, yeah, he does. He he reviews and looks at the Twilight Zone episode, but he also does like bonus episodes talking about like Black Mirror, um, some like Tales of Tomorrow, and other sci-fi movies. Hmm. Um, and then there's there's one that there's a show that just came out. Uh, this guy Jeremy or Ron Leckler, uh, they just came out with a show, and I'm having them on separately. And uh, yeah, now now I have you guys. So oh, nice. Which ones were the dickheads towards us? <laughs> uh, I if they were dickheads to you, then they probably haven't been on the show because nobody. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I remember vaguely some other podcast kept like calling us out or something. I don't remember what it was. I just remember they were trying to start some like fake fun Twitter war or something. And I was like, ah, Dan nah. likes to make drama. Uh, something you gotta know about. Yeah, I'm just stirring the pot, <laughs> Twilight Zone fans. Well, that's cool. It's amazing there are so many Twilight Zone podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm i glad I didn't search ahead of time, because I wonder if it would have stopped me, if I would have looked and seen that there are other ones out there and be like, ah, mm-hmm. we're covering the same ground. Well, you know, I, I think when you guys started up, because you started in, what, in like 2013? Or 2012, oh. maybe? I'll look it up, but continue talking. Yeah, uh, you guys, I, I don't think there were that many when you guys yeah. started up. And so just, I mean, Tom Elliott, he started his, uh, the guys from the Twilight Pwn, which might be the ones you're talking about. They <laughs> they were, they just finished up the entire uh, series right now, like maybe a couple months back. So uh, so when you guys started up, there, were, there wasn't much of a uh, terrain for it. Um, nowadays we're all kind of competing or yeah. or trying to build off of each other but it was a uh, april 8th 2013 turns out is our first episode yeah. uh, that we aired whatnot so that's why cork and i moved into covering the band afi which was fertile ground <laughs> in the podcast arena i'm proud to say we have the most thorough podcast dedicated to <laughs> afi's discography that exists i don't think you guys can get any more niche than that i think that's i think that's it 
Is it a challenge, Brandon, for our next <laughs> podcast? Because I think we can top it. I think I think it might be. God, who knows? <laughs> um, how long? So you guys started with uh, the Twilight Highlight Zone. How did how did that come about? I think we were talking, and like both of us had seen a bunch of episodes of the show, but I think we were being selfish, and we're like, it'd be great to have actually watched all of it, and just to. To say, you know, I've seen every episode of The Twilight Zone. And then it was nice to have a structure in place to actually have a, an excuse to do that rather than just kind of say you were going to do it and then it would just peter off. And I hate the idea of going through an entire show and just forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. It's it's really annoying to me. We're like, you know, marathon, all this stuff, just going on a crazy binge. And then a year later, somebody will ask you about it. Or three years later, they'll ask you about it on a podcast. And you'll just be like, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember this. I don't know. So I love the idea of taking super crazy thorough notes on every episode and like reviewing every episode of something. And it seemed like Twilight Zone made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so then I just coerced cork to stay late on some days which is a real hassle yeah he wants to go home and pretend that i don't exist uh and uh yeah then we, we just eventually worked all the way through it and i think it was a good time yeah it was super fun yeah and it's, it's something that i'm, I'm very I, i'm glad that i have because it, it's something cool about being able to say like i've seen every episode i of that show and then i would love it if you could watch the new ones they were more readily available i'm sure that if I spent any length of time on YouTube, I could probably track down somewhere that had them all, but I still don't want to watch the new ones. I don't want to really? watch. I've seen one of the eighties ones, but I don't want to watch any of the new ones or the eighties or thousand. Cause I don't want to okay. muck it up in my mind about which was, which I like just okay. having this one pure block in my mind as hazy as it is at this point mm-hmm. of like, I've seen all of twilight zone, nothing else. Okay. So I've watched a couple of the eighties ones and, but they're eighties and the, the new 2000 one. Uh, but like I watched the sequel to It's a Good Life in the the 2000 version. Yeah. And then in the 80s they remade um uh The After Hours which is the the mannequin one. Right. Um Ooh. and so those those are the only ones I really watched and and really just to kind of uh, enhance my appreciation of the the original. Um yeah. well, I know we talked about doing like an episode a bonus episode of our podcast dedicated to the remakes. Mm-hmm. Uh which or just one dedicated on Good Life entirely which i still want to do also we talked about doing like an episode that just covered all the simpsons parodies which i still really want to do someday we'll get back to that quirk yeah for sure T- tomorrow for sure tomorrow. yeah not a chance <laughs> more, more niche uh, a, a, a podcast entirely dedicated to just the simpsons twilight or uh the simpsons yep. Horrors. I like it. Let's fill that internet up. We just about topped her off. Hey, Westworld is right at its peak. Oh my God, so good. I'm talking about the Simpsons from 1992. Scratchy land. Yep, let's do it. (laughs) Where nothing can possibly go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I want to ask you guys real quick. um, Yeah. You know, looking back, um, is there are are there any episodes that you can go back to if you think about that are better or worse than you remembered them being, or you know, like maybe that wasn't as bad as I made it out to be. Are there any like that? Better or worse. It, it's easy to say that when the sky was opened is always going to be better and better in retrospect. I mm-hmm. haven't gone back to watch it. Um, worse. You know, I, it was striking watching this episode again. And I don't, I forget how specific it was to this episode, but again, just how slow it was. <laughs> 
and just realizing like, God, it's taken forever. We know where you're going with this. And so I don't know if he just got used to that rhythm going through it, but maybe they're all slower than I remember. I think that that's the case. I think that the Twilight Zone, with few exceptions, cannot do comedy. And every time they try to do like some screwball stuff or a little zaniness, it almost always is a an embarrassment. It is a failure. And that could just be because comedy doesn't age well right. in particular, just comedic sensibilities change very quickly and audiences. What we expect from comedy is much different from then. So like what they would have considered really hilarious wordplay. We're just like clawing our eyes out. It's like, <laughs> get on with it, please. And just they're super broad characterizations, which we think, Hey, I got a funny voice. That's enough. Uh, and I feel like Rod Serling wrote, at least when I think of like the comedic episodes in Twilight mm-hmm. Zone, I think that Rod Serling wrote it. It's just, Maybe people did not say no when he said, let's do comedy. This show can be great comedically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and then you end up with that Buster Keaton episode where it's like, Ooh. I think yeah. that the Zone could do like sweetness and it can mm-hmm. do like, it can handle things with like a light touch. But when it tries to be like, we're going to make you laugh. It's like, no, you're not <laughs> unintentionally. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that that's just in general, like that doesn't age very well. I think a good life is an episode that I've, I don't know how many times I've seen it now. I've gone back to it since we talked about it even really it, it still holds up remarkably well i think it's great awesome awesome um yeah i the the comedy the comedy aspect of of the twilight zone everything rod sterling wrote like i feel like there was maybe an executive or somebody like standing behind him saying like just making the the, the cut the throat motion like don't do it yeah don't, let's not do this yes let, uh, let me rod you guys come on yeah <laughs> because but it's weird because like left to his own devices i think that he in my interpretation of this just as a viewer it, it seems like he really likes to do kind of what we consider now like a heavy-handed morality play mm-hmm. like what was the one the purple the purple testament, testament. testament. Mm-hmm. just seems like a really surlingy episode just off the top of my head where it's like we're we're telling you a story this is a thinly veiled you know parable basically seems like he was super into that so like the comedic stuff just it seems like it's like another part of his brain that maybe wasn't exercised as much right the the reptilian part of his brain apparently (laughs) people like joke (laughs) uh uh, the last thing you guys did I, i say the last thing you did a really quick one where you're saying uh you're jumping death ship uh, but before that, you you reviewed the Twilight Zone, uh, Twilight Zone movie, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't listen to that episode. I'm I'm sorry. What what did you guys think of about that? Right, like them remaking, pulling some of that Vic Morrow dying stuff. That's a so it's such a weird thing. Yeah, it like the <laughs> the frame narrative about Albert Brooks being in that car. <laughs> Uh, is just surreal. It, it's such a relic from the eighties. It's interesting to look at, but I can't say I enjoyed watching it. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> this is my vague memory. Like the Spielberg stuff is interesting. Just to, Hey, here's some more sappy nostalgic Spielberg, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting just as a huge fan of Spielberg, but outside of that, oh. I like the, the nightmare 20,000 feet. I think it's probably the strongest of the like vignettes in the movie. Mm. Even that is really weird. It mostly is, is just remarkable for how much John Lithgow sweats. 
<laughs> you're watching yeah, that. Speaking of Albert Brooks from Broadcast News, what we did also late in the run is this episode that I actually went back and listened to maybe even like twice because I'm a maniac narcissist apparently. <laughs> but I really like it because it's right after we finished the last episode we recorded one before we recorded our big awards shows, like announcing the best and worst just throughout the entire series and all that stuff. We ran down every episode title to see if we could remember it. And this wasn't three years in the past. This is right in peak twilight zone run down all what 156. Mm -hmm. And whenever I need a crash course in every episode of twilight zone, I can go back and listen to that episode of the podcast. Cause it's just like, Oh, that's right. That one, that one, that one. And there's <laughs> yeah. so many that we forgot about. Cause there's a lot of forgettable, just wild west ones. Oh, passage for there. trumpet, you know, that <laughs> passage one. for trumpet, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. who can forget and praise a pit. Yeah. Night of the meek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 all right. Well, hey, you guys, uh, I want to say thank you for being on the show. Uh, and 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 taking time out to help out with with the episode, trying to make make our way through a most unusual camera. Uh, you guys, you guys do your your own thing on your on the side. I won't, I won't bring it up because I was a, uh, I didn't want to bring up any of that the GI stuff, right? But uh, uh, yeah, please keep it just an acronym. Yeah, we work for a video game magazine. <laughs> uh, so you can hear us on another podcast called the Game Informer Show that I host, and Jeff Cork is on every once in a while. We try and rekindle the the bond we have, but normally it's just talking about frame rates and video games and fun stuff like that. Yeah, it's nerd crap. <laughs> not like cool guy Twilight Zone. Yeah, that's stuff. like <laughs> most unusual camera. <laughs> uh, um, awesome. How, how do how do people get a hold of you guys there for for the Game Informer Show? Uh, a, a fire inside out and uh, more how, how they get hold of you guys uh i try and talk to everybody on twitter cork tries to ignore everybody but i'm <laughs> at yozetti on twitter which is y-o-z-e-t-t-y and i am at gi jeff all one block of letters one block of forgettable oh yes uh, that's me i'm a really uh low impact follow <laughs> i promise i won't bombard you with any updates uh-huh <laughs> Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, again, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Any, anytime. What's our, what's the next episode? Just so we can see what we missed. The, what's the next? The next episode after this is Night of the Meek. Oh, Night of the Meek. Oh, thank God. Are you gonna hold on to that for Christmas? Uh, so uh, yes, oh. I'm I'm releasing that one on Christmas Day, and I'm yeah. having my wife come on the show because since I'm taking time out of family, I should at least have her on the the episode. That's so sweet. And we'll they be really drunk, so it'll work. Oh, eggnog. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> no, she uh, she likes eggnog. As long as it has yeah. lots of brandy. Perfect. Fine, girl. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank, thank you, gents. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And for everybody else, there's a few ways you can get a hold of this show. I am on Facebook, of course, S4YA podcast at facebook.com. S4YA underscore podcast, which applies to both Instagram and Twitter. Email S4YA podcast at gmail.com. Call, give me a call, 860-TZ-POD, go TZ-POD, excuse me, and I am on apatheticenthusiasm.com, so go ahead and head out there, search for the show, and uh, leave comments in the show notes area, or in the comments area, whichever, uh, and then uh, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, whichever ever other places you want to go, and uh, go ahead and uh, leave a review if, if you could, uh, lets everybody else know that it's not a crappy show, and if it is a crappy show, then you can let them know that too. Uh, but until next week, I'm going to bring Chelsea out for a Night of the Meek. So she will be super happy about that. Uh, but until then, I'm Brandon Cruz, and this is submitted for your approval.